Hello, What Matters Now listeners. We're trying something new this week, and I, Amanda Borshaldan, have invited our senior analyst, Chaviv Retigur, to my home for an unscripted conversation as we go over a slew of recent polling on the war with Hamas. Let's dive in. Technion Israel Institute of Technology is where some of Israel's brightest minds ask the biggest question of all. What if? What if they could take on the world's biggest challenges? What if they could develop life-changing environmental, scientific, health, medical, and technological discoveries that will make a huge impact on Israel and the planet? But they don't just ask the question, they answer it too. They turn those ideas into reality. They make them happen. To see just some of the incredible things they've achieved, get the Technion Booklet of Wonders at ats.org wonders. We hope it inspires you to give them your support so they can keep doing what they do best. The American Technion Society. World-changing discoveries by Israel's brightest minds made possible by you. We are trying something new today, and I've invited Chaviv Retegur, my colleague, friend, and neighbor, over to my house, and we're going to discuss some of the recent polling that's been done on Israel and on Hamas since October 7th. Most of these polls have been conducted within the past several weeks, and the numbers are just uh, really striking and amazing. So we're going to sit here and give you some of our impressions. Hello, Chaviv. Hi, Amanda. Let's get to it. I have a whole bunch of charts right here in front of me. I know. You have a whole bunch of charts on my uh, dining room table or a kitchen table, whatever. It's slash kind of situation here. And uh, we have a kindergarten next door that's going to make a lot of lively noise as well. But we're going to wade through everything. So I'd like to begin with the poll that polled Palestinians both in the West Bank and in the Gaza Strip. So just to give a little bit of background, this was conducted by the Palestinian Center for Policy and Survey Research between November 22nd and December 2nd. 1,231 adults were interviewed, 750 face-to-face in the West Bank, and 481 in the Gaza Strip in 121 randomly selected locations. The head of this poll is Dr. Khalil Shikaki, who is uh, well-respected both in Israel and in the Palestinian Authority. Khabib has cited his numbers a number of times. So I took out several slides that I thought were quite interesting from this poll. And the first one that we'll talk about is, in your view, what is the best means of achieving Palestinian goals in ending the occupation and building an independent state? So what's interesting is that the findings are broken up into three different categories. Gaza Strip, West Bank, and Total, and three different polls are listed here. Khabib, what did you see here? So, you know, what's the the point of the exercise, um, as we discussed, was that basically, and the things we've seen that are actually surprising in all these different numbers, was that we are used to 
we're journalists. We're in the news cycle. We're used to being sort of buffeted by the news cycle. Whoever screams the loudest tends to get the most attention. And what you don't know, uh, you don't know how much of America thinks what the screaming protesters think, how much of Paris or London actually believe what the people marching there believe, no matter who, who is actually marching. What do Palestinians think about the war? What do Israelis think about the war? How is it trending? And what's fascinating has been just how much what we have seen is counterintuitive. People are drawing conclusions very different from what um, journalists, I think, expect them to be drawing or what the, the assumptions of the news cycle would lead you to believe. I just want to add to that one more thing, that often the headline of a story that covers one of these polls, and the Times of Israel has definitely done this as well, does not reflect the entirety of the poll. In fact, it just pulls out perhaps the most counterintuitive, the most surprising part of the poll. And so when you actually dive in and look at the numbers uh, beyond the headline, you'll find perhaps a very different uh, majority of findings. Exactly. And and so, first of all, I see something terrible and sobering in the slide you described in the first slide we're going to tackle. Palestinians are given three options. You can achieve a state um, and end the occupation with negotiations, with peaceful resistance, whatever that means, peaceful popular resistance, and with an armed struggle. Armed struggle is a euphemism for essentially, you know, it includes, we'll see in the numbers that for the Palestinian um, respondent, it includes October 7th. And so in the Gaza Strip, almost nothing changed. 50% supported armed struggle on September of 2022, a year ago, more than a year ago. And September 2023, before the uh, October 7 massacre, 51% unchanged. And in December 2023, after seeing everything that happened in Gaza, we're talking here about Gazans, 56%. There was a rise of five points, which within the margin of error, maybe could be a rise of three points. Very, very small change in support for armed struggle. And in the West Bank, it's the opposite. In September of 2022, it, it was 35%. Just before the October 7 massacre, it had soared 20 points to 54%. And now that we are two months into the Gaza war, December 2023, it's 68%. And so we've seen it go from 35 to 68% support for armed struggle. It has eaten away at both support for peaceful, popular resistance, um, as the option is given, and negotiations. Negotiations strength from 32 to 18. In Gaza, negotiations went from 26 to 24. So Gazan views are not very changed. Now, could there be a methodological problem in actually polling Gazans, who are many of them are displaced, most of them are displaced in one way or another right now? Maybe. Um, these are very trustworthy pollsters and very trustworthy people whose methods are written up. In the West Bank, the war in Gaza is radicalizing. And in Gaza, it isn't. So you can see that in this next uh, slide, the question was, in your view, given what happened after it, was Hamas's decision to launch its offensive against Israel on October 7th a correct or incorrect one? And it's the same kind of findings that we saw in the previous poll in which the West Bank overwhelmingly, 82% says that it was the correct decision for Hamas to launch the onslaught of October 7th, whereas in the Gaza Strip, 57%, still a majority of people, but it is such a huge gap. Khabib, how do you 
explain that? Well, 25 points. It, it, right, The West Bank, 82% support October 7, and in Gaza, 57, as you said, 25-point difference. And think that Hamas made a mistake, that it was an incorrect decision. In the West Bank, 12, in the Gaza Strip, 37. There's a lot of regret in the Gaza Strip. This is this is people saying it out loud. And what's even more interesting is that the next slide, I'm going to just jump to it, tells us who Gazans and who the West Bank, West Bank Palestinians think is actually going to be ruling Gaza after the war. In other words, do they believe the Israelis that they're going to topple um, Hamas's rule? And what's interesting is 51% of Gazans think Hamas will still be ruling the Gaza Strip months after the war. And yet, 37%, there's this very high, relatively high number who think October 7 was a mistake. Um, but here in the next slide, it's the exact same story. In the West Bank, 73% are sure Hamas is going to be ruling Gaza after the war, long after the war, months after the war is what the question asks. Um, and in Gaza, instead of 73, it's 51. So in Gaza, there's a lot more um, uncertainty, a lot less, um, maybe because they're seeing Israeli determination on the ground, maybe because they know something about Hamas's rule that West Bank Palestinians who have not been ruled by Hamas don't know. But there's a huge gap there of more than 20 points. It's the same gap we saw on the question of was uh, October 7 legitimate, they don't think Hamas, half of Gazans don't think Hamas will be in power at the end of the war. So what's really interesting to me about this slide is actually the second part of the question, which is, if it is up to you, which of those do you prefer to see in control of the Gaza Strip? So we have those who said that they said 51% of Gazans expect Hamas to be in control, and then 38% wish to see Hamas in control versus the West Bank, 73% expect Hamas to be in control versus 75% wish for Hamas to be in control. Really interesting. Right. So in the West Bank, there is this, if if 73% say Hamas will, they think that Hamas will end up in control of the West Bank after the war, Israel will fail to oust um, if that's what three quarters of West Bank Palestinians think. And then in the next question, three quarters of Palestinians in the West Bank say they want that to be the result, then this is an answer that maybe it's we can just say is aspirational. In other words, they have no idea who's going to be in control of the Gaza Strip after. But it is a point of Palestinian pride and a point of resistance and support for Hamas's opposition to Israel and and violent and brutal opposition to Israel to say they will still be in control. In Gaza, 51%, as you said, think they will be. 38% want them to be. So that's a... That's a huge gap. 13 points yes. are sad that they think that it probably is what will end up happening. But um, but it's much... I think in Gaza, it's hard... You know, you would think it's the opposite, right? You would think that in the West Bank, we could get good answers. And in Gaza, it's actually incredibly difficult to get good answers. There's a tremendous amount of fear, tremendous amount of disruption. And also, if you think Hamas is coming back, what are you going to say out loud to a pollster who calls you? And can you trust a pollster who calls you? But in fact, just from the numbers themselves, it looks like Gazans are really conveying honest assessments of what's going on. And in the West Bank, it doesn't look that way. It looks like it's a lot more about activism and identification and affinity than about what you actually expect to happen. Really interesting point, Khabib, actually, because as we all know, Gaza is a police state. It's run by Hamas. There are reprisals for stating your own honest opinion. So these people who said, these 38% who said 
that they wish it would happen, whatever. But the ones who said that they don't want Hamas in power, that's actually a huge act of resistance in a way. Now, let's talk about those who support two states, which I also find kind of interesting because there's actually almost no change. Yeah. Um, We have in the West Bank in September of this year, 30% said that they support a solution based on the establishment of a Palestinian state alongside Israel. And that's 33% today. And so huge shifts on support for armed struggle at the expense of how you know how to get there, support of armed struggle. But, but it's from 30 to 33. In Gaza, 34 to 35. These are gaps that are within the margin of error. And so it looks like the Palestinians who thought we need to separate and be in two different states still think that. Nothing that has happened has changed that basic core, which is about a third of Palestinians, both in the West Bank and in Gaza. How we get there is changing radically. But the fact that that's what they want is 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 still is still uh, constant. Now, the final slide that we'll look at from this particular poll talks about in the current war against Gaza, did Israel, in your view, commit war crimes or did Hamas commit war crimes? Now, if we talked about honesty and openness and aspirational thinking in a previous question. Here it is across the board. Of course, the West Bank and Gaza Strip believe totally that Israel is committing war crimes, whereas in the Gaza Strip and in the West Bank, Hamas is not. Right. Palestinians, uh, the interesting thing is, again, the gap between the West Bank and Gaza. In, you know, is Israel committing war crimes? 94% in the West Bank, yes. 97% in Gaza, yes. Basically, all Palestinians think Israel's committing war crimes in Gaza. This is, it's a valuable question because it's a question that tells us how they understand the enemy, what the enemy wants to be, wants, why the enemy is attacking. It's a valuable question. There's no getting in in this poll into the technicalities of what a war crime is, but it is, it is, it is a, a an important question nonetheless. Don't start arguing with either the Israel question or the Palestinian question on whether or not there are actual war crimes, but just the simple point that they're absolutely convinced Israel's doing wrong in Gaza. And then did Hamas commit war crimes in the current war? In the West Bank, 5%. So, 1 out of 20 think Hamas committed war crimes. And in Gaza, 17%. There is a 12-point gap, and there are more Gazans, nearly 1 in 5 Gazans, who think that Hamas committed war crimes that does not exist in the West Bank. The interesting question isn't why 1 in 5 Gazans thinks Hamas committed war crimes. Hamas has, has massacred Palestinians. The interesting question is why no one in the West Bank thinks it. And so we're again seeing the gap between, I think, I think, we're two Israelis talking about Palestinian public opinion, you know, apologies to the to the gods of the universe. But nevertheless, I think that in Gaza, we're getting more um, analytical answers, more diagnostic answers. And in, and in the West Bank, I think that we're getting more um, affinity answers, answers that are rooted in identification, answers that are more activism rather than assessment. What is also interesting, I think, about all of these questions is this is the perception, of course, of the Palestinian people and what they're relaying along to international press and to their families abroad, and everyone has a family abroad. And so when we look at the numbers out of the United States, I always wonder how much that's affected by what they're hearing from 
both sides of the issue here in Israel. So let's take a quick look at the Harvard Caps Harris poll that was conducted between December 13th and 14th with 2,034 registered voters. So these are Americans. They're American citizens, and they were asked a series of questions, including, is this war a war of self-defense? Right? That's a very interesting question. The perception is that yes, Israel is conducting a war of self defense. So, over three in five voters say Israel is just trying to defend itself. And the same proportion think Hamas is dedicated only to the destruction of Israel. So, in terms of American perception, Americans overwhelmingly are saying that Hamas is dedicated to destroying Israel and that Israel is, yes, justified in defending itself. Khabib, what did, what did you find interesting here? Yeah, and they asked also explicitly the question, do you believe the U.S. should be supporting Israel in its war against Hamas or not supporting Israel? Support 65%, not support 35%. That's, by the way, among uh, GOP voters, among Republican voters, 71 support to 29. Among Democrats, 63 to 37. Less among Democrats, but still massively, to almost two to one among Democrats. And that's true across the board. 54% support the $14 billion in aid to Israel to help in the war, as opposed to 46. It's much, much closer. It's 54 to 46. But that's better than the 49.51 for Ukraine. That tells us that there's something like 15 to 20 points of Americans who support Israel in the war, but don't want to be sending $14 billion in aid to Israel. That makes perfect sense to me. <laughs> I, 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 res I, I respect taxpayer concern about foreign aid. We have it in Israel. They have it in America. I respect that discourse. I have opinions about it. Israel, I think, does tremendous things for America. The Pentagon basically treats us as an R&D, uh, you know, center. Um, and we have increased and helped and stabilized in security and all that, you know, to talk to other people who are better experts than me on that. But the point is to be concerned about spending money overseas is absolutely reasonable to me. 54% still support the package. Then you go to the th next question that they asked in the, in the uh, Harvard-Harris poll. Should we hold up that money to Israel and Ukraine until Congress gets uh, delivers more border control funding so because there's this immense you know stream of people across the border the southern border is a huge problem for biden politically and they're 65 yes hold up the money until um congress delivers money for the border so americans have priorities israel and ukraine they tend to like them they tend to support them quite a bit two two to one giving them money is one to one and first get our own border set up is two to one in other words Again, Americans are coming out of this poll like completely ordinary, normal, reasonable people. I, I, I have a lot of sympathy for the views expressed here. It's always interesting to me to see what you pick up on versus what I pick up on. So I also really was impressed by the slide that's about how most think Israel is trying to avoid civilian casualties in the war against Hamas. And three in four voters say Hamas has a goal to commit genocide. I know we're kind of harping on the same theme, but if you just look at headlines in international press, it really appears that more people are thinking that Hamas has a right to have committed the October 7th atrocity. But no, we're seeing here in very analytical numbers that actually most people do not believe that, at least in the United States. 
You're listening to this podcast, so I know you care about the war in Israel right now. And you've been reading the headlines. Massacre in Gaza. Genocide perpetrated by Hamas. No, by Israel. But if you've been listening to this podcast long enough, you know one thing. This stuff seems complicated. And honestly, no one can really just pick a side or decide an opinion without really learning, without really knowing what you're talking about. And that's where this podcast comes in. Check out Unpacking Israeli History, now in its sixth season. They have episodes with topics ranging from what is Hamas anyway, to whether Israel should ransom captured soldiers, and the history of Israel and its disengagement from Gaza in 2005. Unpacking Israeli history cuts through the noise and helps you understand Israel's present through understanding Israel's history. So, educate yourself. Learn the history behind the headlines. Find Unpacking Israeli History wherever you listen to your podcasts. There's a selection bias, right? We are focused on the Israel news everywhere. Israel news in London, Israel news in Paris, Israel news in New York, all through America. Um, But one of the things the poll asked is, which of these issues is most important to you personally? And it listed quite a few, curbing guns, parental rights in schools, not just, you know, inflation, immigration, climate change, crime, abortion, the classic issues that Americans debate. Israel is on there. And the people who prioritize Israel, 2%. 2% is... Lower the Jewish population of America? A, the Jewish population. <laughs> B, prioritizing Israel can be from the other side, right? Sure. Prioritizing Israel can be from the angry people, at, people angry at Israel. Uh-huh. And, and, and so it's, I think, um, it, it's a fascinating uh, story um, that a lot less people are profoundly interested. Incidentally, 69% are following the conflict, say they're following, 25 very closely, the rest somewhat, but nevertheless, 69% say they're following. Um, they're skewed massively against Hamas. Hamas is not good PR for the Palestinian cause. I say that, obviously, with a tremendous grain of salt uh, and, some, and some sarcasm, but in the numbers, that is massively, tremendously true. There is a point in the poll, page 47 of the text that we've been sifting through. Um, I hope this is enjoyable because this is kind of how journalists sift through a poll. They walk through it and they start connecting the dots of all the different numbers and trying to understand the human beings that emerge from these numbers. So, hope this is useful. Um, They asked bluntly, in this conflict, do you support more Israel or more Hamas? 81-19 of Americans support Israel over Hamas. It's 96-4 among age 65 and up. It's 50-50 at 18 to 24. College campuses are very different environments. But even in college campuses, it's 50-50 and not what it appears on the in the media to be something radically skewed toward, frankly, Hamas. It's interesting that this is Hamas. It's not. The question does not ask, do you support Palestinian independence, the Palestinian cause? Um, do you think Israel is behaving badly? It's Israel or Hamas. And among young Americans, 18 to 24, 50% support Hamas. Now, do they distinguish between saying Palestinian independence versus Hamas? I have to tell all our listeners, to Israelis, that is day and night. 
the difference between the argument that Israel is behaving badly toward Palestinians, that Palestinians deserve independence, and the argument for Hamas, the genocidal group that will murder our children every chance it gets and announces it at every opportunity, is day and night. And I think in the discourse in America, either 50% of 18 to 24-year-old Americans support Hamas, support the mass murder of children and the boasting about it, or there's a conflation of terms. And and so people don't really understand entirely how Israelis are looking at it. And I'll just say one last thing, which is to draw from um, a different poll that we looked at, which is we'll get to in a minute, but the Israel Democracy Institute poll, Israeli Jews and Israeli Arabs are seeing that support for Hamas and understanding it in radically different ways because of these conflation of terms that I think comes through the numbers. So if we have this um, number, this is... Um, an IDI poll conducted in the second half of November, and um, Israel, Israelis were asked, Israeli Jews and Arabs were asked, in many Western countries, there have been mass demonstrations and loud public criticism against Israel. Um, what do you think is the main reason? And there are two options. One is the civilian casualties and destruction in Gaza, and two, anti-Semitism and hatred of Israel, Se- as a separate from civilian casualties themselves. What's driving anger and demonstrations against Israel in the West. Among the Jews, anti-Semitism and hatred is 62% is anti-Semitism, and 7.5% is the actual casualties and destruction inflicted in Gaza. 62% anti-Semitism, almost a tenth of that, is the actual suffering in Gaza. Among Arabs, among Arab Israelis, it's reversed. 52% 52% say the anger at Israel is is the casualties and destruction, and 10% say it's it's pre-existing anti-Semitism. And so the conflation of terms, I don't think that Jews are just self-justifying, and I don't think Arabs are more sensitive. I think that what's going on is that the West is speaking in very sloppy ways because they don't live here and don't actually experience the conflict, and so there isn't the kind of precision that is natural to people in the conflict, right? And so they they will march and they will say, you know, to to um, a decent, ordinary, liberal Westerner who hears from the river to the sea, Palestine will be free. And somebody explains to them that means civic democracy on the American model where everybody has a vote. And they say, sure, why not? The whole world should live like that. But that is, a, of course, also a quote from the Hamas charter, and Hamas wants to murder all our children. So Israelis will hear that and hear something radically different. Um, we are We are understanding... We are, we are hearing very different things from a message that is being sent by Western activists who I think are sending it in very sloppy, ignorant ways. That's true. And all polling is, of course, a matter of perception. And it's not only a matter of perception, it's a matter of how you're feeling in that significant moment that you're answering these questions. And I, after looking at some of these polls, and they're about a gazillion billion questions long, I can only think that towards the end, there was some kind of fatigue. But let's look to, you talked about how people are following the war. And one of the main news outlets in the world is, of course, the New York Times, which has its own poll. So the New York Times and Siena College uh, polled over a thousand registered voters, again, Americans only above age of 18, from December 10th to the 14th. And among their findings were 
they drilled down into the question of war crimes and whether Israel should stop the war, which I thought was very interesting. So one finding I'm just going to draw your attention to is that 22% of registered voters felt that Israel is intentionally killing civilians in the Gaza Strip, which is just kind of chilling in a way. But let's also look at whether Israel should stop the war in general. And so they had two questions. One, whether Israel should stop the war, the military campaign, regardless of toppling Hamas. A second question, regardless of getting the hostages back. And then they combined these two questions. And 44% of those polled said that Israel should stop its military campaign without achieving its two stated goals. Khabib, you look confused. You know, uh, the desire to have the war stop with the terrible um, and horrible real suffering inflicted on Palestinians in Gaza is completely understandable to me. But one of the things that emerges from these polls is profound confusion in the West about what to do after, or how to prevent it from coming back. Hamas will attack again. That's something all Israelis believe. So if you, you know, the fact that all Israelis believe it is is a factor in what's going to happen going forward, and people need to put that variable into their calculations. Hamas also announces it's going to attack again, forever. It's a forever war. And so the question becomes, well, how do we, how do we finish that war? If you believe that Hamas's uh, attack on October 7 is about Palestinian independence, you don't... <sighs> See, it's interesting, actually, Khabib, because in the New York Times, they also asked the question about whether Palestinians want peace or Israelis want peace. And it seems quite clear from the polling that a majority of those polled actually recognize that Palestinians do not want a peaceful solution, 46%. Whereas they say 45% believe that Israel is seriously interested in a peaceful solution. And yet... And those are pluralities on both sides. Exactly. And, And yet there's an onus on Israel to stop the war. So, you know, in the Harris Harvard poll, I I think that if the onus on Israel to stop the war is a question of power and agency. Israel is the army fighting, entering Gaza, searching for Hamas, demolishing buildings built over tunnel entrances, hunting Hamas the way America hunted ISIS in Mosul in 2016. And like Mosul in 2016, leaving a swath of destruction in its wake. Nobody has yet figured out how to fight this kind of enemy in any other way. Um, that's not an argument that Israel didn't make mistakes or that it doesn't have to be called to task on some of these bombings or in some methods or in some... But but the question is how much destruction, not whether there would be destruction in Gaza. And so there, there this kind of counterinsurgency fighting against this kind of of enemy that is held that is a terror group that held enemy that held territory for a long time and constructed that battlefield that civilian urban battlefield in order to survive while inflicting massive civilian harm because that is a a a, a force multiplier a weapon they use against the attacking army uh, is their own people's civilian harm that was true of ISIS it's true of Hamas it's true of Hezbollah it's it's literally their fundamental strategy they don't have another strategy for surviving this other than Israel being 
um, scared off of destroying them by the civilian death toll. And so, you know, there was going to be that destruction. I respect the horror at that destruction. I, I don't just respect it. I, I share it. I don't have good answers to, not not to Westerners who don't really know much and don't frankly know what they have inflicted on the world when these wars are, and, and never felt a, a, a twinge about it, never worried about it. They worry about it now because it fits all kinds of ideological narratives, not because they actually have shown in the last 10 years, never mind the last 50, but the last 10 years that they noticed massive civilian debt casualties. So I, I'm not interested in Western, I mean, I'm interested intellectually, that's what we're doing here, but I'm not interested morally. But wow, do I have to give answers to Palestinians? No question, absolutely, every day of the week. And 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 so I, I feel it and I understand it. Here's the point about this Western gaze at us. We have in the Harvard-Harris poll, there were these two graphs posted right next to each other. I'm not going to describe them too much because it's a graph next to a chart. It's complicated. But basically, Americans were asked, do you favor an unconditional ceasefire that would leave everyone in place? Or a ceasefire should happen only after the release of hostages and Hamas is removed from power. Essentially, do you favor the Palestinian demand of unconditional now or the Israeli demand of first Hamas is gone? And among 18 to 24, by the way, two thirds are on Israel's side, 64% favor Hamas is removed from power, then there's a ceasefire, 64 to 36. But among the young, it's the opposite, 67 ceasefire now. 33 ceasefire after Hamas is removed from power. That's 18 to 24-year-olds. What's interesting to me is that the next graph asks the question, should Hamas be allowed to continue to run Gaza? Or does it need to be removed from running Gaza? Now, this is a should question. What's the right thing to do? We saw this divide when when, uh, Shikaki asked Gazans these questions. 42% of the 18 to 24 said Hamas should be allowed to run Gaza. They support Hamas, 42% of 18 to 24-year-old Americans. I guess that's an answer to our previous question. Think Hamas should run Gaza. I don't know what to tell you. Hamas tyrannizes Gazans, but okay. 58% think it should be removed from running Gaza. Now, 67% think the war should stop before it's removed, but 58 think they should be removed. That's a lot of people who think the war should stop with Hamas in power, but that Hamas should leave power. How do they think Hamas is going to leave power? And not only that, how do they think that if Hamas remains in power, there won't be more wars and more destruction? The Israeli left will remain as crushed as ever. If the last 24 years, the Israeli left hasn't won an election because of the, and the belief among Israelis that the Israeli left's great gamble of their being on the other side, something other than Hamas that can take over the territory that we leave, in the Israeli narrative, in the Israeli experience, that turns out not to be true. Now, if Hamas remains, then there is no peace process. If Hamas remains, there's more and more wars on Gaza. If Hamas remains, Hamas's own indigenous internal domestic tyranny in Gaza continues. I don't see here answers. I see here profound confusion. Even when you say to them, do you want Hamas to remain in power 42%? That's higher than Gazans. There are more 18 to 24-year-old Americans percentage-wise, who want Hamas to remain in power in Gaza than Gazans today, mid-war in December 2023. 
And so they don't know what they're talking. They don't know what it means. Khabib, don't you remember being that age? I mean, I had green hair. I had purple hair. I had pink hair. I had all the hair colors. And, you know, I changed my mind. I matured. I grew up. I read more. I lived more. I don't really understand why so many people are basing such horror expectations off of this age group. Yes, take them seriously. They vote. They serve in the army. But they don't need to be the basis of all of our theories on how Americans believe leave. I think that they're reflecting elite opinion of the future, because I think that they are hearing this on college campuses. I think that it goes to the fact that and we've had, we've, we've been reading studies on this over the last two months, trying to understand why young people are where they're at, not why they're critical of Israel. They're getting more information than their predecessors, maybe, I don't know. But why they're okay with Hamas? How does that fit anything? That's an ideological choice. That is not, I know more about suffering or don't know more about it. That's an ideological choice. Why are they ideologically there? And then we discovered that um, half of them get, their primary source of news is TikTok. And so there are these algorithms that radicalize, and that's where they are, and they're not anywhere else. You are proving my point. But they're the elites of the future, and the elites of the future are stupid, I, I mean, they don't have. Any, I mean, they're not even cured. They're not. They're ignorant. You, we'll call them. If you th- yes, obviously, I meant ignorant, and I meant it in the best possible way. I didn't. Uh, if you think that the war has to end without Hamas being removed, but that Hamas must be removed, I want an explanation. Write that out for me. I haven't read that op-ed. I haven't read how that's going to happen. I have, by the way, read op-eds by professors in UCLA and places like that, um, left-wing Israel studies professors saying things like, they should leave power, and the you know moderate Arab world should then move in and rebuild Gaza, and Israel should then open a horizon to a peace process, and then they should and should and should. And when you read these opinions of these people, and you just you know hit the table every time they write a should without explaining how, your hand's going to hurt very very quickly. So uh, people don't provide answers. If Hamas isn't removed, I don't know how any horizon opens up anywhere. And by the way, when Hamas is removed. One of the interesting things about these disparities, about this cognitive dissonance that rises among young people in these polls is Hamas is doing it to them. Hamas is doing it to them. I want desperately to support the Palestinians. The Palestinians, at least the ones I talk to in the West Bank, the the ideological elites that are communicating with college campuses, are passionately in support of Hamas right now as a matter of identity and resistance and ideology. Gazans, by the way, are not, but they are. And those, those Palestinian ideological elites... And so I want to support Palestinians. This is what Palestinians are telling me support means. So I want to be there. But they keep telling me they're going to massacre children. But what do I do with that, right? And gay rights are not a thing. Every right that I could, everything that it means to be me politically, uh, you know, as a left-wing American is, is not Hamas. So Hamas is doing that to them. What if, I'm saying this ironically and sarcastically, but weirdly, I'm not sure it isn't true. What if, We Israelis strike a bargain with the progressive American left in which we remove Hamas, okay, and then they no longer have that cognitive dissonance, that obstacle to coming after us twice as powerfully. How does that sound? Why don't we do that? Why don't we do that? And then they can say, I support the Palestinian cause and I do not support the mass murder of children because... Right? I don't have to support Hamas anymore. So there's a dissonance that arises here that I think is, I don't even, 
It comes from ignorance. It comes from a refusal to ask serious questions. It comes from being taught on college campuses that they are that 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 correct politics is identity politics rather than serious analysis and policy and problem solving. I, I think. I think. I know that sounded very conservative. I apologize. I think. So I I take from this. I take from this a commitment. I used to think that I need to destroy Hamas because I need my country and my people and my children to be safe. And then I started thinking, well, maybe I need to destroy Hamas, frankly, so the Palestinians can start having a new politics and a new future. And now I think maybe I'll liberate the American progressive left from the 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 straitjacket that it's placed itself in because it has put its eggs in this Hamas basket. And when it no longer has to support Hamas in order to support the Palestinians, it can support the Palestinians much more comfortably. Again, I want to just uh, add a little nuance because, of course, Bernie Sanders, who is arguably one of the heads of the progressive left, he is very anti-Hamas and has come out very strongly during this war as such. Let's move on to the final poll that we'll discuss today, which you already kind of uh, gave a preview for, which is the IDI survey. And this uh, gives more of a domestic picture. It was conducted between December 11th to 13th with 500 men and women interviewed via the internet and by telephone in Hebrew and 101 in Arabic. So that gives you a bit of a breakdown, Jews versus Arabs. I would like to talk about whether people believe that the IDF is following international law and the rules of war. And that kind of corresponds with, of course, our previous uh, questions about war crimes and things of that nature. Now, again, if you break it down along Jews versus Arabs, 91.5% of Jews believe that the IDF is trying to follow international law and the rules of war, whereas only 24% of Arab Israelis believe that. I have two thoughts on this. One, it may represent how many actually were part of the IDF and actually you know, experienced all the training. And two, it could represent what people are hearing from their friends and neighbors, Palestinian friends and neighbors who are in, in Gaza. I don't know, what do you think? I think, um, you know, obviously a lot, I think it's all the things, I think you're absolutely right. Israeli Jews, a majority have an experience of military service. When I was in basic training, I was in a very ordinary infantry battalion. Um, we had classes in basic training about Israeli war crimes. We were specifically sat down in a classroom as soldiers, young soldiers, starting our our way and taught, you know, about Israeli, the Israeli army having the war crimes that it committed and these war crimes went to court and the Supreme Court issued rulings on these war crimes explaining that they are and why they are and we had to learn that and that's part of training Israeli soldiers. And so the the by the way and that's true of the American army and it's true of of of, of most uh, certainly democratic armies. So Israelis know all uh, well is as the, as the closer they are to the military the more Israelis tend to know. So Jews more than um, Muslim Arabs, Druze are in that group among the Jews who do military service in huge numbers. Um, and I think that that is a gap. I think another gap is identification, you know, generally wanting to believe you're okay. There is no question that America committed war crimes in Afghanistan, but most Americans think that it generally tried not to, right? And that question of degree is also really important. I am absolutely convinced 
that not every single bombing was justified or planned properly, or that the trigger was pulled a little early. I'm sure that happened in the course of 20,000, roughly, give or take, airstrikes in Gaza. I'm also convinced that Israel has tried massively. By the way, I think because they're good people. I know some of these people. I literally have a friend who's an intelligence officer uh, in the Air Force who is... And, I, and another friend who's a lawyer uh, in the Air Force who, who literally is the international law guy in the room, in the, in the uh, division command, um, sorting out these legal questions as they're building a case for a particular airstrike. And I know that they're trying. I know for a fact that they're trying. And I know for a fact that they'll occasionally fail. And so I, I know that. So to me, the question on the ground is degree. What's fascinating to me is the 25% of Israeli Arabs who are watching in Arabic, they're watching Al Jazeera, they're watching Al Arabiya, they're watching a massive, intensive, obsessive focus, not obsessive as a criticism, but just constant focus on the destruction in Gaza, on the suffering in Gaza, which the Muslim world and the Arab world are watching intensely. There's, that's the number one story on their news for two months now. And they think Israel is okay. 25% of Israeli Arabs. And that's a story that we've seen in other polls where there's the highest rate of identification with Israel among Israeli Arabs who are Palestinians. And when we ask them, do you identify also Israeli and Arab and Muslim and all these layered identities you have, do you also identify as Palestinian? They say yes. And yet they also identify as Israeli and, uh, and really identify, have an affinity for Israel and want to be Israeli. And so that to me is the fascinating part of that poll. On this particular question, this is the seventh polling that IDI has done, and I, I await the eighth one because I wonder how the terrible tragedy of December 15th in which uh, Israeli IDF soldiers killed three hostages in Gaza, I wonder how much that would influence people's thinking on this particular question in the future. Now, let's just end, and we will actually end, with this final uh, IDI question. How many in Israel, Jews and Arabs, actually believe that there is a high likelihood that Israel will succeed in destroying Hamas's military and political infrastructure and bringing all the hostages home? So as one would expect, Jews are higher, but then they break down the different kinds of Jews, the left, center, and right Jews, and that's also quite interesting. Khaviv, you have the chart in front of you, so tell us what you see. 71% of Jews say that Israel will succeed in destroying, quote, destroying Hamas's military and political infrastructure, which is the official war goal in the cabinet decision back in October that declared war, uh, meaning toppling the Hamas regime. 71.5% of Jews say Israel will succeed. Among Arabs, it's half that. 33% of Arabs say Israel will succeed. So, very large majority of Jews and one-third of Arabs. Um, the second um, war goal, bringing home all the hostages. That's how they say, all the hostages. 33% um, of Jews say Israel will succeed. There's very little optimism among the Jews that all the hostages are coming home. Among Arabs, there's more, 48%. Half of Arabs think that the hostages will be brought home. I think that's interesting. I have no idea what to make so of it. So interesting. And Why are the, they more optimistic? The only thought I have is that uh, Jews tend to objectify Arabs. And right now, Hamas is the biggest evil possible. And so we don't think that... Hamas could do anything to save our people. That's the only reason. But that, I can obviously, see. they would massacre them at first opportunity as soon as they're not useful. 
but they're still useful. Right. But why would that mean they're all coming home? I don't know what this Arab um, the Arabs believe answer means. Better out of Hamas, perhaps than so than they have a higher opinion of Hamas's keeping them alive, or maybe they have a higher opinion of the IDF's capabilities. Sometimes on the other side, right? We, we who have served in the IDF know that it's a vast bureaucracy that can barely right tie its own shoes. It's a miracle that it ever wins wars. That's the big joke in the IDF. The big joke in the IDF is every bureaucratic problem you ever encounter in the army, and you encounter a lot from day one. Um, you first, the first thought that comes to mind is, how did this army ever win any wars? Right? I think but that's every army. Every army. <laughs> that's the secret. The secret is the other side has slightly more bureaucracy, and therefore we win the wars. But um, but maybe if you but on the other side there is this halo. How do I know that they think that the Israeli army is magically powerful? Every time Hamas has a success, it broadcasts it with the words, see, they're not magically powerful, right? Mm -hmm. And that tells me that Hamas thinks of itself as trying to prove to Arabs that the halo the IDF has in the Arab uh, political discourse isn't actually real and isn't there, and the IDF can be defeated. So maybe this is an expression of belief in the competence of the IDF that Jews don't have because they have slightly more actual internal familiarity with the idea. But who has the highest confidence among the Jews? That's actually also really interesting. And it's still less than the Arab Israelis' confidence in bringing the hostages home. Yes. Um, whether you believe that the Israeli military is going to succeed in toppling the Hamas regime heavily depends on your political uh, views among Israeli Jews. On the right, 79% think the army will succeed. On the center, self-identified center, 68, 10 points down. And on the left, 47. The left is a small part of the electorate. I'm going to take an educated guess from other polls. It doesn't actually say here. Maybe up to a third, probably less, probably a fifth. Um, and it is 50-50. It is divided on whether Hamas will survive the war as a regime in Gaza. The center and right are 68 and 79. The army will succeed by huge margins. They believe that. Um, and also on hostages, the more faith you have that the IDF will topple the regime in Gaza, the more faith you have that it'll bring home the hostages. So on the left, 47 think the regime will be toppled, 23 that the army will bring home the hostages. And then on the right, 79, the regime will be toppled, 37, uh, 14 points higher than on the left, that they'll bring home the hostages. But still, it's about a one to two gap. It's about half as many believe the hostages are actually coming home, or at least all of them. Really interesting stuff. Khaviv, okay, we have not solved any of the wars, the issues, crises, problems, really anything at all. Um, I at least finished my cup of coffee, so there's that. Yeah, it's important to cling to our small successes day by day. Exactly. Yeah. So thank you so much for joining me in my home today. Thank you, Amanda. Thanks for having me over. And I hope it's the first of many. Thanks for listening to this experimental What Matters Now episode. If you made it this far into the podcast, I hope you enjoyed our conversation. I'm really eager to hear your feedback. What Matters Now is produced and edited by the Podwaves. Have a comment about this or other episodes of What Matters Now? Please email us at podcast at timesofisrael.com. Until next week, shalom. <laughs>